out of every heart and touch every life. Give someone an encounter in your presence today. Charge your word with power. Let it minister grace to every hearer. Let no one be the same again. Your word says you appoint to them that mourn in Zion. You give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Appoint to someone here this morning. Appoint divine direction to someone who is confused. Appoint joy to someone who may be mourning here this morning. Thank you for eternal round. We give you glory and praise. We give you glory and praise. Celebrate him, somebody here. If you are here because of Jesus, celebrate him this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. How was your week? I said, how was your week? It's the first week of the year, and I know it started on a good note for you. And um, if you're still trying to catch up, you know, some people just return from holidays, I know. <laughs> and you're still in that mood. It's time you put it in the right gear. Praise God. Uh, because it's our year of speed. It's radical transformation. And God is transforming somebody's life. This new year, there's speed for you. In the precious name of Jesus. If you were not able to participate in the fast, I encourage you um, to get the messages of the prayer summit and listen again and again. Pick the words that God gave us and use it to do your own praying and set out some days in the week that you can fast on your own and still, you know, and pray those prayers on your own because I believe that God wants to reach out to you this year in the precious name of Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, our cardinal scripture where we got uh, the, the, the word for the year from, it said, we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. He said, we are transformed. One translation says we are changed from one level of glory to an order as by the Spirit of the Lord. Last Sunday, I brought a message that I titled Unveil. I needed to get the, 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 the CD, whether you are here or not, and listen to it over and again. Um, God wants to unveil our hearts, our minds, such that His glory can shine through this year. Because He said, We all with unveiled faces, uncovered hearts, uncovered faces. That means for the glory of God to shine into your heart, uh, you must take responsibility to unveil, to unveil. Because God wants to do something, and the only thing that can stop it is when there's a veil. The Bible says if our gospel be hidden, he said it's only hidden to them or in whom the God of this world has blinded their mind so that they cannot see or perceive the glory of God. And if you are not in darkness, then the God of this world does not have the right to put any veil on your mind. And if you are walking in light, God wants to multiply light to you. He wants to take the veil away. But you need to take responsibility. For some of us, all through 2013, perhaps that's, a, that's an argument. Something on your mind is not possible. It's possible. It can work. It won't work. The Bible says we have the power to cast down arguments and imagination. Because sometimes arguments can be a veil. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Doubt can be a veil. The reason why some people are not taking steps is because there's a veil that is perpetuated by doubt. It's not possible. It's possible. It cannot happen to me. It will happen to me. It's time you cast down the argument. So the weapons of our warfare are not kind of but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations, arguments. And thoughts, bringing them to captivity, to the obedience of Christ. That's how an unveiled mind works. The moment arguments set in, cast it down. And tell yourself, I believe only the word of God. And the Bible says, with him that believes, all things are possible. Healing is possible. Deliverance is possible. Is somebody still with me this morning? Fruitfulness is possible. To him that believes. I can have 
Dominion over sin is possible if I believe. Addictions can be broken if I believe. Habits can be destroyed if I believe. If I believe. If I remove the veil of unbelief and doubts and arguments and thoughts and allow the glory of God to shine through, then God starts to take the glory in my life. And radical transformation starts to happen. And then I don't need to share testimonies. People see it. You know, when Jabez was praying and he said, oh, that you bless me indeed. Indeed blessing is the one that you don't have to talk about. People congratulate you and you say, for what? They say, don't kid us, we can see it. Things have changed. <laughs> you don't used to be like this. You can't see a butterfly I mean, uh, that when it was a lava or popa, and then you see it flying, and you congratulate it, and it says, for what? Uh, but I used to know you now. When you were egg or caterpillar, just rolling on the floor, I used to know you now. But now, see color. See height. And, <laughs> and they're still asking me for what? <laughs> you know, that's, that's how it happens. That's why we took the symbol of that butterfly uh, for, you know, for our logo for Radical Transformation for this year. Because somebody who has been a caterpillar just, you know, you are making, there's movement, there's motion. But God said, you are not destined for the ground. It's time to fly. The Bible says, we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a glass, the glory of God, we are changed, we are transformed from caterpillar to butterfly. To butterfly. Even science acknowledge the fact of metamorphosis. That's the science word for it. Metamorphosis. Transformation from one point to another. And in some organisms, you have three levels, some four, some two. Just move. Egg, lava, pupa, adult. That adult is unstoppable. That's the fullness of destiny. Somebody is stepping into your fullness this year. Yeah. Whatever has been stopping you can no longer stop you. In the precious name of Jesus. And so this end that I'm bringing this discussion this morning that I've titled The Road to the Burning Bush. The Road to the Burning Bush. I'm going to be exploring uh, in the brevity of the time that we have the life of Moses. On the road to the burning bush. This story, you find it in Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2 and Exodus chapter 3. The first three chapters of the book of Exodus talks about a man. In, in chapter, one, chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible says, And a man of the house of Levi took a wife, a woman of the house of Levi, and then married, you know, her. And they had a child. The, the life of Moses happens to be a very interesting one. A very interesting character. If you haven't read Exodus chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3 before, please take your time this week and read through. Time will not permit me to, to just read through the scripture, but I'm, I'm going to, you know, just try to summarize it. Moses' Moses's life was very interesting. A very interesting one. Of people in captivity. We have all read the story of Joseph before. How God sent Joseph to Egypt. He was sold into slavery, but he was actually sent. God sent him ahead because the famine was going to strike his family. And the only place that would be help would be Egypt. So he went ahead and God orchestrated his path so that it will be at the helm of affairs by the time the famine will strike. So Joseph happened to be the prime minister in Egypt as at the time of the famine. And through him, God rescued his own people. And don't forget in the Old Testament, God had only Israel as his people. In the New Testament, we are all who are in Christ. We are all Jews. <laughs> Praise God. We have become, he said, the people who, are, who were not my people shall be made my people. That was what happened. When Christ came, there was amalgamation. If you receive Christ, 
his message, his person, his principles, then you have come into that tribe that God accepted in the Old Testament and called his people. So he sent Joseph to preserve a place for his people. And then after a while, Joseph died. For Israel continued to wax, wax strong in Egypt. They grew so much. Egypt became threatened by their number and their strength. When Joseph was alive, they gave them their own part of Egypt. Goshen, they call it. That was where they lived. But after Joseph died, another Pharaoh came who did not know Joseph. You see that in Exodus chapter 1. And that Pharaoh started to turn things around. He said, these people, if we continue to leave them like this and allow them to just grow, one day they will come into an alliance with an enemy nation and they are going to destroy us. So let's tame them. One of the ways to tame them is to put heavy labor on them so that they won't be able to think. So they turn them to slaves. And apart from that, they were so threatened that they said they're multiplying too much. So we're going to be killing all male child. Just destroy them so that we can stop their multiplication. Because the way God was multiplying them so fast, the women, you know, they don't lose children at birth, at childbirth. Strong. And it was just God's plan. And then it got to a point where Israel started to pray and pray and pray hard. Like we're praying in Nigeria right now. That's why I believe that some of the children that were given birth to right now, they, they, are, not, they are not ordinary. New breed. They will turn things around. Some of them will chase people out of this country. I'm serious. They will chase some people out of this country completely. They are, just watch out for them. For some of us, I won't mention the age bracket. Your generation, your assignment is finished. <laughs> In this country, don't, just enjoy life, but you don't have any serious assignment again. The, the people who have the assignment, they, they, they are, you know, they're getting ready. You see, because God works in generations. The generation, <laughs> I don't want to go into it. I don't want to be distracted. But you see, the, the generation that left Egypt with Moses, promised land was not meant for them. They tried, but they couldn't make it. <laughs> the hassle. God works in generations, in generations, in generations, in generations. So they prayed hard like we're doing now. Because some people ask the question, how come uh, there are so many churches in Nigeria and Nigeria is not changing? Eh? Nigeria is not changing. Go and ask them in Egypt. Go to Central African Republic and ask them. Nigeria is not changing. You are still coming to church in the morning. Some people, they, they, they don't have one third of our problem. They have finished killing themselves. Everybody. See refugees everywhere. I just laugh when people say things. They just know that they lack understanding. We are still trying to tame the principality of corruption, the demon of corruption. And that is being over-magnified, you know, in our face. As if it's untamable. We're going to tame it. I said we're going to tame it. You see, one thing is certain. If there's any reason why this country is not at war, full-blown right now, it's because of the prayer of the saints. Take the church out of this country. Chaos is what you get. And if you know any of those people who argue and speak on TV, tell them to their face. There are churches and pastors that are not in ministry to brainwash people or collect their money. Because I read that in the newspaper almost every week. I read comment, uh, uh, you know, editorials. And when I read some, I just laugh that this is just ignorance, you know, on, on the page of newspaper. Because when people don't have insight into spiritual things, they just talk anyhow. And don't get me wrong, all is not totally well. 
But I'm saying that God has his own plans. He has his own plans. And if you and I will commit to pray for this nation, something will change. That's a matter of time. Something will turn around. Things are changing already. The rate may be slow. And we're becoming impatient. And our impatience should drive us to pray more. I hope you are still with me. So Israel prayed. And then God raised a man. But there's something peculiar about this man, Moses. What was peculiar about Moses was that God was going to use him to demonstrate the fact that he calls people, he gives them assignments, and he follows them. He follows through with them, whether they know him or not. That he calls people, he gives them assignments, and he follows through with them. Tap your neighbor for me and tell your neighbor this morning, there's a calling over your life. God has a purpose for you. God calls people from the womb. It was an answer to Israel's prayer, talking about Moses. God saved him right from infancy, even when he couldn't save himself. Like I was saying at the prayer meeting yesterday, your brain is too small to resolve all the issues of your life. There are issues that brain can resolve. There are some other issues that exclusive, you know, preserve or reserve of God. God is only God that can resolve some issues. God wants you to approach him by his spirit to get solution. When Moses did not have sense or brain formed, God was already following him and orchestrating his life. Now that some people can think of their own, you now think there's no need for God again. God followed Moses. His mother kept him for three months. After three months, his mother knew that if they catch me with this boy, they will kill all of us. So she went and dropped him by the river. Then, by divine orchestration, the daughter of Pharaoh was going to have her back. Maidens saw this baby. said, ah, this must be one of the Hebrew sons. So he carried the baby. The Bible says, and God gave her compassion for the baby. That was God, based on Moses' assignment, based on Moses' purpose. As Moses prayed, as he fasted, no. But based on assignment, ladies and gentlemen, one of the strongest force on earth is the force of purpose and divine assignment. Because God said, I am God and there's none like me. Said, I will do my counsel. My purpose shall stand. Anyone who is standing in purpose, God said we can work together. Because my purpose will stand. Are you still with me today? He said, are you still with me today? God ordered the steps into the palace for preservation, for his preservation. Just God, just doing his own thing. You, you and I know that if Moses was, <laughs> if he wants to use his brain, he probably would have chosen the palace for himself at that material point in time because his people were in slavery. But God chose it for him. In fact, the truth was that if he was of age, he wouldn't have a choice because he would be a full-blown Hebrew guy and he would join slavery. But God said, now that I can still manipulate this situation, he manipulated him into the palace. Moses was in the palace and as we call it in this part of the world, it was chopping life. It was chopping life in the palace. Chopping life in the palace while his people were suffering out there. Right in the palace, he was exposed to training. The highest form, the Harvard of the day. The finishing schools. The highest grade that existed in his days. He was exposed to all that. God walked in him and walked with him. God stirred a passion in him. That was an indicator of his, his role as a deliverer for Israel. The thing just started coming. But someone under the influence of this service today, there's a passion that's been, you know, brewing 
on your inside. Something, you know, that you must recognize, that you must understand as not ordinary. If you were here last year, I preached a series on ministry and calling. If you were not here, get that, that message and listen to it. And I spoke about the fact that God said, these people have I shaped for myself. They will bring me glory. And that everyone has a shape. That we have been shaped for ministry, for service. Shaped for God's purpose. And the word shape on its own is an acronym. But a very important part of it that I want to pick out this morning is the H in shape. Which talks about the heart. And the heart is the seat of passion. And I remember saying last year that a passionless person is a wasted person. Because God cannot do anything with you and the devil may not be able to do anything with you. Whether you want to serve God or the devil, you must be passionate. Yes. People who serve the devil are very passionate about it. Passionate. They kill people passionately. I hope you understand. <laughs> if, you want to, if you want to serve God, you must be passionate about it. God uses people with passion. When passion is dead, life is wasted. Because we're just there, sitting down. Nothing is moving us, we're not moving anything. Are you still with me this morning? I said, are you still with me this morning? God stirred a passion in him, and that became the indicator for what he was supposed to do. When you read uh, Exodus chapter 2, the Bible talks about the fact that he took a walk and saw his people suffering, and he knew that he was a part of them. That passion, you know, took a, a, a good part of him. He saw one Egyptian beating Hebrew people, cut the guy by the neck, drew him to one corner, snuffed life out of him, and buried him, and walked away. That is called misguided passion. The people listening to me this morning, under the influence of misguided passion, you are passionate about stuff, but you are, you are, you are doing it all, the, all through the wrong way. Breaking the law, breaking people's hearts, breaking lives, and just doing things anyhow. You are on the path to your burning bush. This year, you will see a burning bush. Uh -oh, say better amen, somebody. Amen. Someone may be here this morning. You have seen your burning bush, but you have forgotten. In this season, God will bring it back to your heart. Amen. You will know that you know that you know that there's something that God has in mind for you that is greater than what you're experiencing right now. Say better amen, somebody. Amen. So even when that passion Stead him to rebellion. God didn't deny him or deny his calling. Moses still found his way back to God and fulfilled his purpose. Let me share some truths from this appraisal of Moses, some truths about life. One is that God is a part of everyone's life, whether you know him or not. We are all extensions of God. Every human being, whether Living right or living in sin, God is following you everywhere. God is always a part of everyone's life. He's always a part of everyone's life. He's always a part of everyone's life. In Acts 17, verse 28, uh, um, I think that, that, that was uh, Peter or Paul talking to a group of people, and he said, in him, talking about God, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Whether you are saved or not, God knows you. He knows your name. He's a part of your life. He's a part of your life. And also it's important for us to know that we derive our spirits and existence from God. We derive from God. God is a part of everyone's life. And then secondly, we derive from God. We derive from God. And if we derive from God, that means he has a purpose for us. There's a purpose for your life. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, when God was about to create man, he said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion. Let us make man. When God was creating every other thing that he created, he spoke to their source. Let the sea Bring forth fish and all kinds of sea animals. Let the ground bring forth plants 
When God wants to, wanted to create you and I, he spoke to himself. He spoke to himself. The Godhead spoke to God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let us, man, to derive from us and must be an extension of us to carry out our purpose and agenda. I hope you are still here. I said, I hope you are still here. So I derive from God. Forget about what science said about you. If you believe that, you can believe anything. <laughs> I derive from God. Let us make man. And then to buttress it, after he scooped the casing together, the Bible says he released a part of himself, the essence of God. The word used there was breath. Breath is what keeps anybody alive. Am I saying the truth? All right? So when the Bible says he released his breath to man, it means his essence, his life was imparted into man. So man, essentially, is not the flesh. He is a living spirit, an extension of God. And if God will go out of his way to impact a part of him in me, it means that he has a greater plan than just for me to exist. He has something that he wants to achieve through me. So, number three, we all have a purpose from the time of creation that God had a purpose for man. So, from the time of creation, God had a purpose for man. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says, everything God started in him and finds his purpose in him. The message translation of Colossians uh, uh, chapter 1 and verse 16. Everything God started in him and finds its purpose in him. So I find my purpose in God and I derive from him. God was speaking to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 3. He says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. What was he saying? While you were formless, shapeless, I knew you and I created your shape. For some people right now, the most important concern of their life is their shape. Yeah. If you were like me, you would have queried God. God, why am I this small? You know the problem? I go everywhere and people are looking for the pastor. It's embarrassing. It still happened this weekend. In fact, yesterday, every, every, almost every time you go somewhere, you say, okay, uh, sit down there, somebody's coming, and then the person comes, where's the pastor? I say, I'm the pastor. I was at a function, uh, um, I think it was Friday night or Saturday, and a, a, a woman was introducing me to her husband. Their daughter attends this church. They're highly placed, you know, uh, people. Their daughter attends this church, and <laughs> the, the woman said, you know that church, that so-and-so person attend? That's the pastor. That, that, this, this is our daughter's pastor. The man was still looking at, where is he? You know, I have to say, it's me. This is the pastor. At that point, you wish that you were bigger. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Some people are so concerned about the shape, the size, you know, and all those things. And God said to Jeremiah, while you had no shape, while you were liquid, I called you. And I ordained you a prophet to the nations. By implication, I shaped you. I took over while you were still formless. And I ordained you a prophet to the nation. That also has implication on Jeremiah. Because except Jeremiah will fall in line and be the prophet that God has called him to be, he will find no place of fulfillment in life. Are you still with me today? You will find no place of fulfillment in life. That's the implication. While you were formless, shapeless, without a brain, <laughs> a functional one, I called you. Why you couldn't think, when you could not think of what is best for you, I programmed you. Deliberately wired you. 
That was what God told Jeremiah. By implication, all of us. That's why you must be aware of the fact that there's more to you that meets the high. God has a purpose. God has a purpose. God has a purpose. Everything God started in him and finds its purpose in him. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Say they are thoughts of good and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of good and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. You have a future and you have a hope. But they are locked up in the thoughts of God for your life. For Jeremiah, it's a function in the office of a prophet. For you, maybe to function in government and turn things around. For somebody else, maybe to function in entertainment and be a voice for God. For some of our persons, you see, because people these days, when we talk about purpose and calling, your mind goes straight to church. It's not about church. This is my home purpose and calling. I hope you understand what I'm saying. God spoke to Jeremiah, I called you to be a prophet to the nations. Prophet to the nations. For you, your prophetic office may be in marketing. But you must do it and do it to the glory of God and be relevant in his kingdom. And accept it as a calling for which you are willing to die for. Mandela passed not too long. The whole world celebrated. The highest gathering of heads of government ever. And all those. But you see, when Mandela was at that prison, what's the name of that island? Robin. He made a speech once. I think it's somewhere on BBC or so. Uh, if you Google it, you may still be able to find it. And one line there that kept ringing in my spirit. He said, apartheid. It's ending apartheid is a cause that I am willing to lay down my life for. He said, if it gets to it, I'm willing to die. Not just to be jailed, but to die. When you have found purpose, you don't need a preacher to sacrifice. It comes together. It comes together. When you have found purpose, you don't need anybody to encourage you to sacrifice your life. It just comes hand in hand. Because the creative tension that God has put in the heart of every man that is alive to have meaning to make meaning out of life and to do something meaningful with life only finds fulfillment. You know, that tension only, you know, becomes a blessing and not a burden when you are in God's purpose and plan for your life. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Why do people get frustrated? The creative tension is not finding expression. It's finding it in, in the wrong places. And then frustration sets in. The job doesn't make meaning again. Everything is dry. And like I said in the first service, some, for some people, it's just that creative tension has led you into adventure. You have tried so many things. So many things. But yet you are not there. I'll get into that in a moment. God's gifts and callings are irrevocable. That's another fact, the third one, that we must be aware of. God's gifts and callings are irrevocable and are given to aid the fulfillment of our purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If you look at my slide very well, you see different shapes. That's how we hide in the hand of God. Different shapes. We are all different shapes. The Bible says we are God and the work. That same, same, same uh, word there can be translated uh, um, bespoke or couture, you know, 
that the others were. God were handmade, specific. Human beings are not run of the mill. We are not, you know, out of a production line. God crafted each person deliberately because of the deliberate things that he, he wanted to do with your life. You must not forget that. Because if you do, you live anyhow. And in 2014, you won't live anyhow. I said you won't live anyhow. Say it better, amen. People who lack purpose have not cultivated a genuine relationship with God. Who made them? That's the truth. That's another fact about life. People who lack purpose is simply because they have not cultivated a genuine relationship with the God that created them. If you have cultivated a genuine relationship with God that created you, you will find him leading you into purpose. Knowing and fulfilling your purpose or calling is the only thing that can bring ultimate fulfillment into your life. Romans eleven twenty nine, the Bible says the gifts and the callings of God, they are irrevocable. New King James says, one translation says that God does not change his mind. Living Bible translation says God does not change his mind about those whom he has called. So if God has called you, his calling over your life remains certain. But you need to walk your way into discovering and fulfilling that calling and being a man and a woman of purpose, focusing on purpose, that there's a purpose that's greater than my mind, that's greater than my brain, that I need to walk into by the hand of God, by the help of the Spirit of God. Mis uh, misguided ways we seek to find purpose outside of God. Some examples of the ways people seek to find purpose outside of God. Achievement does not mean fulfillment of purpose. Yeah. Achievements don't mean fulfillment of purpose. Some people try to find purpose in relationships. If it's orchestrated by God, it can lead to purpose. But relationship in itself cannot give purpose. God is the one that utters purpose. Can I have that slide back, please, and let it stay? Yeah. Wealth and acquisition is another thing that takes people away from God's purpose. You can make money outside of God's purpose. That's the truth. But when you see billionaires commit suicide, overdose on cocaine, they're trying to find meaning. That's the truth. They're just trying to find meaning. And like I said in the first service, there's nothing that can satisfy outside of the fulfillment that comes from knowing that I'm fulfilling purpose. When you do something in line with your purpose and you, you, you've done it well and people are blessed, you feel a high that is unexplainable, that cocaine cannot give, sex cannot give it. Ask Solomon. He has a record. You can Google it. It has not been broken. He sampled women. He had a laboratory. Yeah. He turned his palace to a laboratory to examine the highs and the lows of sex. That was what he did. A thousand. Have you heard of anybody who broke his record? At least he was proud enough to put it in his writings. Yeah. And he said, vanity upon vanity. All is vanity. What he meant was that I couldn't find fulfillment in that, even though I tried. If you are number 10, you are still a, it's still a child's play. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Some people will say, oh, I've, I've slept with all kinds of women, white, red, brown, yellow, you know. You are still trying. This man went ahead of you to tell you don't tread that path. It's vain. It has nothing in it. Somebody still following me today. Yeah. Said it's vain. Vanity. There's nothing in it. I tried it, but there's really nothing in it. See, if you are looking for something to smoke, smoke God. If you want to sniff anything, make sure it's God. That's the only place to get the kind of high you are looking for. If there's anybody under the influence of any addiction here this morning, I curse that addiction. It will not leave this place with you. I said it will not leave this place with you. 
that urge dies now. In the name of Jesus. Say, believe in amen. amen. So we need to get it straight that God wants us to focus on purpose. Achievements will not give it, even though achievement is good. But when it's in line with purpose, then life is more meaningful. Life is more meaningful. Many people have, you know, they sought to, believe, to become uh, um, the head of government of their country. And while they were there, some people committed, committed suicide. Some people will leave office. And a few years down the line, their life is wasting. And they cannot find any other meaning for it again. Because they've been fixated on achievement. 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 I want to break the record of my family. Afterwards, what will happen? Is that the purpose of God for your life? Or is there something more than that for you? That's what we're, we're saying this morning. Some people, it's recreation. You want to find fulfillment in recreation? You say, so what are you looking forward to now? This is 2014. Or the next 10 years, what's, what's your dream? He said, I want to travel the world. So the big question is, after that, or to what end? Traveling the world, but to what end? Is there a purpose in it? Is there something that God wants to achieve with it? Is there something God wants to reveal to me as I travel the world? Because some people have met their burning bush experience traveling the world. I hope you understand what I'm saying. To what end? Don't just say, this is what I want to do. To what end? Ask yourself, to what end? Because it's very important that we ask that question. To what end? Work, career. A, a job, instead of being a blessing, can be a burden when there's no purpose in it. When there's no purpose in it. You collect your fat salary and you look at it. You say, so what? But life is not interesting. Why? Because something in your heart tells you that there's more to this, to my life, than what I'm doing now. Tough questions that I need you to take your time to carefully answer this week. One, do you really believe that God has a plan for your life? Because it will change everything if you believe it. Do you really believe that God has a plan for your life? Some people will say yes. Don't be too quick to say yes. If you draw the trajectory of your life, drawing it backwards, the last 10 or 20 years, can you reflect that you believe that God has a plan for your life? Or that you have been struggling all the way? Some people take the pride in saying that I've struggled all my life. To anyone that will stand my way, I'll crush the person. Because I've, <laughs> I've struggled all my life. I heard the story of a man that was driving, those days of V-boot, was driving his V-boot on the road. And one young man, an Okada, brushed his car. Man came out of his car. The guy was there, shivering. Opened his boot, brought the wheel spanner, and smacked it on his head. People around there freaked out. What would the man say? I labored to buy this car. This is my life. <laughs> and you want to destroy it. Has anybody in your family bought this kind of thing before? That's a man whose esteem is tied to material things. He's seeing that as his life. There's no other purpose or any other thing to achieve than to buy cars. And flaunt achievement. Because if you really believe that God has a plan for your life, you will lean on grace and favor more. You will focus on the blessing of the Lord that make rich and had no sorrow. You will continually ask him, Lord, is this what I'm supposed to be doing now? I'm willing to comply if you, will move, if you want to move me to something else. Lord, you have an assignment for me. Is there something else that you want me to do? You see yourself as a man on a mission. Secondly, do you really believe that God's plan for you, God's plans for you are better than the best plans you make for yourself? 
That also has its implication. Because if you believe that, then truly and truly, you will not struggle with surrender. The truth is that think about Moses, think about Joseph, think about all the Old Testament saints and New Testament saints, and think about some people who are living and alive now around you. When God is at work in a man's life, and a life is yielded, once in a while God shows you that it's not about you. It just shows you it's not about you. Yeah. It shows you it's not about you. I've said it before. There's no amount of prayer that Joseph could have prayed that could have led him into praying, Lord, let them cast me into prison because I'm going to find destiny there. Has anybody prayed that kind of prayer before? Yeah. You can't, you can't pray that kind of prayer. Lord, I want to go to prison because except for prison, I will not be a prime minister. And then God will just, you know. So there are certain things that your mind cannot comprehend, but God will go ahead of you and work it out for you if you choose to believe that his plans for you are greater than your plan for yourself. That's the truth. If you choose to believe that his plans for you are greater than your plans for yourself, you need to ask yourself these questions. The last one is, are you hanging on tightly to something that you may, that may not be in God's will for your life? Is there something around you as we're going through this new year that you know may not be in God's will for your life? You're not sure about it. Some you are sure, but you're still hanging on for some reasons. For some reasons. For some reasons. Can I speak to someone here this morning who has a relationship from which you get, you know, handouts? It may not even be a, an immoral relationship between a man and a woman. It may be a man and a man or a woman and a woman. But you derive self-esteem from that relationship. You get handouts from time to time. But you know that when it comes to fulfillment of purpose, you cannot be in that relationship and fulfill purpose. And you're hanging on. That means you don't believe that God's plan for your life are better than whatever plan you can make for yourself. And that there's no security anywhere else except in purpose. A man's life is secured when he's in purpose. Because God said, my purpose shall stand. That means if you're in purpose, you will continue to stand with his purpose. That's the only place of security. Is there anything you're hanging on to that you're holding on to? For some people, you are holding on to that job for too long. Lose your grip. Lose your hold. And let God carry you. Lose your hold. And let God carry you. Can I speak to a lady here this morning? You want to marry this year, but you are holding on to a relationship that will not lead to marriage. Drop it! So that God can connect you with the right person. Said, do you not remember the former things? Said, neither the things of hold. Said, because I will do a new thing. Necessary endings come before glorious new beginnings. If you cannot allow God to take you through necessary endings, you may never be able to embrace new beginnings. Something you're holding on to that you need to let go of so that God can carry you into glorious new beginnings in the new year, then this is the time to do it. This is the time to do it. Can I have my last slide on the big story? Big story slide. Or the big picture, yeah. For many people, this is where you are. In the middle there, rejoicing with small things. But that's all your mind or your brain can see. It's okay, and you are rejoicing there. There are big question marks around you. Questions that if you dare to ask yourself, and you are bold enough to confront yourself to answer, they will launch you into the large, larger story. Because the plans of God for us are intricately connected with this global perspective to things. And I can stay in my own small place and continue to rejoice and we thank God for where God has brought us. But he wants to take us further. He wants to take us further. God preserved you to see the new year because there are greater things ahead of you. And he wants you to see them. For someone here this morning, nothing is going to stop you. Sickness will not stop you. Lack will not stop you. 
in the name of Jesus. As we focus on fulfilling purpose, as we focus on achieving destiny, God said his glory will be released upon this congregation. Somebody, you need to keep telling yourself, I am not in this industry because of money. I'm in this industry to fulfill purpose. I'm in this industry for change, for the hand of God to come upon this industry. That's when your Christianity makes sense. That's when it has meaning. God has planted us in the different industries where we exist. For some people, that will for, that's forever your ministry. You will never step on the pulpit to preach. But you're going to preach through where God has planted you, fulfilling his purpose. Like I said, God told Jeremiah, I ordained you to be a prophet. But somebody here, God is saying, I ordained you to be a journalist. So in your journalistic endeavor, fulfill purpose. Focus on purpose in 2014, more than money. Because if you do, I'll visit you. I'll visit you. Much more than that, your life will be fulfilled. Whatever is plaguing other people, God will cut them off from you.